Today we meet in Isaiah chapter 46 and 47. We're looking at the pronouncement of judgment against idols, the decline and fall of Babylon. Isaiah 46 contains one of the finest mockeries actually against idolatry that is found in the word of God. It opens with the announcement of defeat against the idols of Babylon in particular. Babylon was the source of all idolatry, and it is fitting that after announcing the defeat of the idols of Babylon, the prophet proceeds to denounce all idolatry with an injunction to Israel not to forsake the true God. So first, the pronouncement of judgment against idols. Bell bows down, Nebel stoops. Their idols were on the beast and on the kettle. Your carriages were heavily loaded, a burden to the weary beast. Isaiah 46 verse 1. Now, when used as a proper name, the word bell refers to Maduk, the supreme deity of Babylon. Like the Hebrew word Baal, Baal is the generic name for any god. Nebo comes from the same root as the Hebrew word for prophet, Navi. In Babylon mythology, Nebo was the son of Maduk and is presented as the spokesman of the gods. You remember that when Paul and Barnabas went to Lystra, the people thought Barnabas was Baal or Jupiter and Paul was Nebo or Mercury because he did the talking. Behind the idols of that day was the satanic worship which is becoming rather popular even today in our contemporary society. I cannot believe that there are churches that are even named as Satanist churches. The word of God repeatedly warns us that our warfare is a spiritual warfare. It is not a physical warfare. God contrasts the helplessness now of the idols, which is a burden to carry to his own love and strength, which is a delight and a joy to enjoy. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. Isaiah 46 verse 3. Here God says, I've been carrying you, Israel, as a woman carries a child in her womb. Now, whereas the heathens had to carry their gods, the Lord was the one who carried his people. Isn't that interesting, my friend? These reminders are especially significant in the light of the fact that Isaiah wrote this passage prior to the Babylonian captivity. If that in fact is true, then it becomes clear that his purpose is to cause the people of Israel not to be swept away by the gods of Babylon, but to recognize that they shall be taken into captivity too, even as the children of Israel were. Even to your old age I am he, and even to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. Isaiah 46 verse 4 now, this is the real distinction between that which is true and that which is false. God had not only been carrying the nation Israel, 
but he had carried each individual from the cradle to the grave, from the time when the individual was born until they are buried. My friend, can I ask you this important question? Is your religion carrying you or you are carrying your religion? Now, God carries our sins. Isaiah 53 verse 4 tells us, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He also carries our cares, my friend, our burdens. We are told in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And God carries us today. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 27 tells us, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you, and will say, Destroy. Speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God again continues his stride against the gods of the nation. Now notice how he speaks of idolatry. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? Isaiah 46 verse 5. You see here the reason that it is so difficult to explain God is because he is infinite and we are finite and we live in a finite universe. We powerless. There is nothing with which to actually compare with God. He cannot be reduced to our terminology without losing all the meaning, by the way. He cannot be translated in even into human language. And this explains one of the reasons why God became man for all the means possible to paint his picture were inadequate. So he came himself. The only way we can know God is through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ revealed God and he continues to reveal God to us today. This is a brilliant satire on idolatry. They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and makes it a god. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. Isaiah 46 verse 6. You see the whole process here from the preparation through the commissioning of the workmen and the transportation of the idols to their eventual worship is quite unveiling here. For they are powerless to hear, to speak, or to save. You create an idol which you have to carry from place to place. And then you fall on it to worship. Now here is the real test. They bear it on their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place and it stands. From its place it shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Isaiah 46 verse 7. Very interesting. What you have created, you even give it a sanctuary. You put it in its place. And then you worship. They carry their God around on their shoulders and put him in the corner. And when they get home, listen to what God says to them. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Isaiah 46 verse 9. Now perhaps you think of idols as objects of wood, stone or metal worshipped by ancient civilizations or primitive peoples. Well, that perception is accurate. But from the Bible's point of view, idolatry fundamentally involves 
allowing anything or anyone to stand in the place of God. Maybe your loved one, it may be your children, it may be your career, it may be even your very self, the love of things that is idolatry. The ancient Babylonians fashioned many idols for both public and private worship, but the Lord ridiculed this practice, for the gods of Babylon were important. They had to be hand-carried as they were unable to move on their own. They were mute and they were powerless. Yet as we read the Lord's rebuke in Isaiah here, it's worth considering the extent to which people practice form of idolatry today. For example, modern society has come to rely so heavily on technology and government to solve its problems that many people no longer feel a need for God. They seem to place as much faith in human ingenuity as the ancients placed their faith in their carved images. Likewise, certain psychotherapies are practically do away with any need for the God of the scriptures. Instead, they rely on their own principles and methods to deal with guilt and sin and to make people feel healthy and whole. They hold out the promise that people can become all that they were meant to be apart from God. A third form of modern idolatry is actually a relic of ancient idolatry, my friend. Many people today Double, they double in the occult practices using physical objects such as uh, divination dices, uh, tarot cards and uh, crystals to tell fortunes and receive supernatural messages. It is still happening. The consulting of the ancestors and the uh, diviners and the sorcerers is a common practice here in Africa. Likewise, horoscopes are as popular as ever, and those who promote them even boast in the fact that astrology on which horoscopes are based was heavily practiced in ancient Babylon. Forms of idolatry such as these may be more sophisticated than the metal shrines set up by the ancient pagans, but they are idolatry just the same. They have been made to stand in the place of God. The Lord will not allow those who practice these things to go unpunished. Consider his judgment on the Babylonians. Is there any reason why he would not pour out just as much wrath on idolaters today? He still hates idolatry. The first and the second commandments are still there, my friend. And the Lord is still who he declared himself to be to the ancients. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. We now move on to the decline of Babylon because of its idolatry. So Isaiah chapter 47 talks of the decline and fall of Babylon. The whole chapter is similar in tone to Isaiah's lament over Egypt in chapter 19 and over Tyre and Sidon in chapter 23. An enemy had not yet captured Babylon. Babylon was just now coming to power. But listen to this prophecy. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of Chaldeans. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. 
Isaiah 47 verse 1. Come down here is the command of God to Babylon. The same as a dog is called to obedience. It is like saying, down danger or down bulky, whatever the name of your dog may be. That is the way God is going to talk to the great world power Babylon when the time comes for it to be brought low. God will say, down danger, down bulky. That is the way the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with the storm on the Sea of Galilee. When the Lord spoke to the waves and the wind, he literally said, be muzzled like you would muzzle a dog. The same thought is communicated in Isaiah here. That's what will happen to Babylon. He predicts the tremendous humiliation of Babylon. Take the milestones and grind meal. Remove your veil. Take off the skirt. Uncover the thigh. Pass through the rivers. Isaiah 47 verse 2. You see, this prophecy depicts the indescribable humiliation to which Babylon was finally subjected. She had mistreated the people of Israel, and the day came when she was brought law. For Babylon, nudity was part of her humiliation to go almost naked. Your nakedness shall be uncovered. Yes, your shame will be seen. I will take vengeance. And I will not arbitrate with a man. Isaiah 47 verse 3. See, that was the fate of Babylon. Actually, that prophecy was fulfilled. But again, it anticipates now the great downfall of the men of righteousness, the kingdom of the world, which will become the Babylon of the end times. Now we move to the deliverance of Israel. To Babylon. Here we see that God delivered Israel into the hands of the Babylonians. I was angry with my people. I have profaned my inheritance and given them into your hand. You showed them no mercy. On the elderly, you laid your yoke very heavily. Isaiah 47 verse 6. You see, God is making it clear to them that the reason Babylon was able to take his people was because he permitted it, and not because Babylon was so superior. They had a great sense of power, and they gave themselves credit for overthrowing Israel. God saying, you were wrong. That is wrong. God delivered his people into the hands of the Babylonians because they had sinned against him. He was judging his people. And this is the message of the little prophecy of Habakkuk. And you said, I shall be a lady forever, so that you did not take these things to heart, nor remember the latter end of them. Isaiah 47 verse 7. Well, God's judgment of his people deceived Babylon. They thought it was by their might and power that they had taken God's people. That was not so. Therefore, hear this now, you who are given to pleasure who dwell securely, who say in your heart, I am and there is no one else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children. Isaiah 47 verse 8. You see here Babylon was very arrogant, lifted up and careless, not believing that a frightful thing was coming upon them. 
Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, looked over the beautiful and glorious city of Babylon and said in his heart, This is a great Babylon that I have built. You see, in doing so, he was not giving credit to God. God sent him out to the field there, and like an ox, he ate the grass, having a form of amnesia, so to say. Probably the psychiatrist would call it hysteria today, but he was there in the forest. The story is even more vivid when it is told to children to say, Children, can you imagine a king who ate the grass? For a long time, he did not know who he was, and he lived like an animal. It was God's judgment upon him. That is the deliverance of Israel to Babylon. Now, what are the details of the destruction of Babylon? Here they are. For you have trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am and there is no one else besides me. Isaiah 47 verse 10. You see, my friend, there is always a grave danger of a nation or a man being lifted up by pride and feeling that he is able to make it on his own. We are living in a world today where men and women can become rich, not by doing some great service or by making a contribution to mankind, but they become rich by being in an industry that brings men down, that degrades them instead of building them up. Think of millions of dollars that are being made through entertainment and the multitudes who are getting rich through the sale of liquor or running to brothels, to things that are not even honoring the Lord. People get in many questionable businesses using not so honorable methods of business. And what are we doing? We attempt to cover up these things. But God says, I see them. And he will judge as he judged Babylon. What is the dilemma of Babylon? God is predicting that in the day ahead, both conditions will come upon Babylon politically. In spite of her great prosperity as the queen of the ancient world, she shall be brought down into dust as a young slave girl or as a widow who sits on the ground in shock and dismay. Stand now with your enchantments and the multitudes of your sorceries in which you have labored from your youth, perhaps you will be able to profit, perhaps you will prevail. Isaiah 47 verse 12. You see, one reason for God's crushing judgment of ancient Babylon was that it was a center for various forms of magic, sorcery. According to Isaiah, the Babylonians practiced sorcery and enchantments along with astrology. These and similar practices were condemned by God and prohibited for the ancient Israelites, and by extension, they are prohibited, never to be mentioned among the believers of today. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save you from what shall come upon you. Isaiah 47 verse 13. Now, my friend, confusion characterizes Babylon at this time. 
The city lives up to its name, by the way. Babylon means confusion, and confusion besets them. That great city depended upon its economic strength and its total gross product. But something happened to that nation, and it was dying within. We are living in a world today that depends upon its economic strength, but something is also wrong with us, and we won't face up to it. Because of the pagan origin of astrology, it should be obvious to Christians today that its concepts and practice have no place in true Christianity. Those who are worried about their astrological signs would do better to come to a personal faith in God, the God of the heavens. Why should you even be going to say, my life will have to behave according to what this star says. People are just looking into those magazines, following their astrological predictions. We live by faith, not by astrology. Today, my friend, our problem is moral. The ancient city of Babylon, which at first glance seemed to so unrelated to us, has a message for you and me. The stones of the debris of Babylon are crying out a warning to all of us. Babylon practiced astrology, sorcery, necromancer, and worshipped idols. That is why it got destroyed. Anyone who does the same, God will judge even today. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.